Sounds like football, baby. <laughs> What's up, people? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Kyle August. You can follow me on Twitter at KyleMonth8. And with me, as always, my co-host, the excellence of execution. It's Jake Rip, your heart out. Jake Rip, what up, bro? Oh! (laughs) This audience is back. Wow, I never get the applause from the (laughs) studio audience. They're coming out tonight. That's that's exciting. Now I'm in a great mood. How are you doing, flip-floppers around here, I guess. All of a sudden, I thought the people were on my side. Little did no, I know. No, they're, they're just here for the away team. Never who's hosting. But yeah, I'll take the applause this time. Very nice. How you doing, man? Hey, man. Doing good. We were just chatting a little bit before we uh, hit go on this thing. And it is a fun time of year. Uh, I've had five or six rookie drafts. We got a startup going uh, with some people from the Patreon, uh, putting leagues together. It, and it is, it's just fun, man. And now that we know all the landing spots, it just seems like we're running full force. And of course, it's May. So we still got a long way to the season. But Feeling feeling pretty good. How's how has your week been? Dude, my week's been great. It's been a full week of drafting. We talked about it last time I was on here. I'm doing the all Jake League and I'm doing the DWZ versus Australia League with uh you, uh Memphis, the guys, and the Aussies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sitting here, I'm going to be on the clock here. If Jerry would hurry up and make his pick, but I'm sitting here in the 21st round and I am eyeing up some real gems right now. <laughs> guys like Carlos Hyde, I'm considering. Oh, yeah, Le'Veon Bell has somehow slipped to the twenty-first <laughs> round. I think he, I hear he's quite the pass catcher. And Preston Williams is out there. Randall Cobb, tough decisions to make. But aside from that, I am loving every second of it. Dude, Le'Veon Bell, man, that, that is every time I see his name, it just makes me so nervous to take any running back ever. Like if you're older than like twenty, like four years old, and you're a running back, I'm like, oh god. <laughs> now, now tell me this, because you and I were talking a little bit about Todd Gurley before we jumped on. If you had to choose one, gun to your head, they're making you choose a running back for your dynasty team. You, you taking Le'Veon or Todd Gurley? Uh, I'm probably. Oh God, I'd yeah. probably go with Gurley. I guess. <laughs> I mean, they're both. They got to be the same age-wise as far as just like their actual body, right? I mean, Le'Veon's got to be like six years older, but <laughs> well, you didn't have to go ahead and justify it. It's pretty much a coin flip at this point. <laughs> it's a dude. It's so bad. I remember I had a league that uh, it was one of those where like it's just super quiet all year, like super quiet. Like you don't hear anything. The offseason hit. I don't even know who won the league. I don't even know if the commissioner was like, congrats. Like, we just moved on, right? And, you know, it's one of those where I'm just like, there's some good people in there. I don't want to give it up yet. So, but I didn't really look at the roster that much, you know, because nothing is going on. So I opened it up the other, like, a few weeks ago before the rookie draft. I'm, like, going through, cleaning stuff up. And I'm like, oh, God, yeah, I forgot when I traded that second rounder for Marvin Jones and Todd Gurley midseason because I thought it would be good. It sounds like a great deal at the time. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. panning out so much. No, and it, it ended up, unfortunately, you know, I always get in that zone. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going for it. It's like, well, that's the 205 now. So when I see Terrence Marshall go off of the board mm-hmm. with my pick, it just that stings even worse. But it's been, uh, it's been fun. That's the worst when you have to go back to a team that you haven't done maintenance on in a while that, like, used to be good. And then you scroll back and you're like, ah, I still... Oh, got AJ Green. Should have dumped him a little bit ago. Yes. Uh, Randall Cobb's out of his prime. Emmanuel Sanders might get one more good year out of him. <laughs> one of those teams. Dude, it's so tough, too, now, because I don't know if it's just because I'm in better quality leagues, which could be it, or the fact that it, the, it's just everybody is so saturated with information that 
like, you know, five, six years ago, man, I felt like I could kind of get out from under these guys, um, you know, before they like timed out on your roster type deal. But now, man, like the minute these anybody hits over, like I said earlier, anybody that hits like 27, bam, nobody wants them. Like just no, you can't move that guy at value for anything. So, you know, and obviously you can play the opposite, which I usually do is like try to leverage that, you know, like I'm, I'm going everywhere this year and trying to see like, Hey, who's thinks they're sm- too smart to keep Stefan Diggs on their team? Who thinks Cooper Cup is old now? And you know those types it almost, of guys. It almost leaks into seasonal leagues too. Like it, it's just that same mentality. If you're in a group with a bunch of guys that are playing dynasty leagues, mm-hmm. when you're staring down a guy like we use him as a reference all the time, Julio Jones, who's what 32 now, mm-hmm. it's just that's in the back of your head. And even though it's you know you only need him for the next 16 games. Uh, it's still like, ooh, I can get this guy. He's going to be five years younger. And I, <laughs> yes. it, it's so overblown. Uh, you know, uh, on a side note, all in on Julio. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. And that's a good segue, I think, because on today's show, we're talking some wide receivers and Kyle Pitts as we're revisiting our 2021 redraft rankings. Last week, Jake and I discussed the running backs and the quarterback position. A lot of good names there as far as this rookie class entering those rankings now and and you know, being up there, definitely draftable and guys that we're going to be counting on right out of the gate. Uh, today's show, I think is going to be a little bit more interesting. You know, you obviously have probably the top of the board for Jake and myself and we'll get there obviously, but Jamar Chase, where do you put him in a, you know, a crowded situation, but the dude's obviously, you know, extreme talent and has, you know, being drafted fifth overall, will give you, you know, some hope for year one high end production. And then you have some of these, the rest of the guys that, you know, land into some interesting spots and we'll see where they fall in our 2020 rankings. And then obviously we'll get to Kyle Pitts in that situation and a few other tight ends that might've been impacted by the draft. And, you know, compared to where we had these guys ranked about a month ago when Jake and I did kind of our first 1.0 version of these rankings. So if you missed quarterbacks and running backs, go back, listen to last week's show. And obviously if you're not subscribed, you need to fix that right now because the war zone is killing it. The whole DWZ network crew, putting it down extra bonus episode last week. If you're, if you're stay subscribed, you're going to see this stuff. Uh, so, you know, be sure to check out the rookie rundown It drops every Monday and podcast Sunday over on the YouTube. And obviously the war zone every single Wednesday with Memphis and Jerry occasionally when he's, oh, uh, you, you, know. you know, Jerry's working extra hard over there because he's been on the clock now for three hours in this league. Let's go, Jerry, make a pick. <laughs> I'm hoping he does make it so that we can decide what, what uh, live on the air here what you actually had to pick in round 24 or wherever we're oh, at. Man, I'm, I'm nervous just thinking about it. I know I just had to take Eric Ebron as my tight end too. So uh, it's, it's, we're getting down to the slim pickings. It's not it good. Can be worse after round 20. Than Eric <laughs> Ebron. That's what I keep telling myself anyway, but uh, man, it's definitely a good time of year to be plugged into podcasts and a lot of drafts going on. Um, I mentioned the YouTube, be sure you check You're subscribed over there on YouTube. You can come hang out with us. Every Monday night, sometime in the evening, when we get this thing recorded, and it's obviously up on the podcast on Tuesday. But before we dive into the rankings, I gotta ask Jake, I guess, because for the for the people that are listening on YouTube, I feel like I want to throw these Easter eggs in there. But you're wearing a uh, Blue Jays shirt, <laughs> so what's the story here? No story with it. Actually, I picked this up in Toronto. The wife and I were taking a trip out there to go see Greta Van Fleet uh, a couple of years ago. But um, there you go. My boy, Vlad Guerrero. Oh, there we go. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I was in Toronto. Actually, I got this. In, I think there are stadiums like the Rogers Center or yeah. something. Sorry for Toronto Canadian listeners, something like that. Uh, but yeah, this, they had a little side store in there. So I just dipped in there, got myself a little Blue Jays shirt. And then I figure where better to wear my Blue Jays shirt than on 
our fantasy football podcast. Obviously. Obviously. No doubt. <laughs> well, good deal. Yeah. Hey, man, it's always a good time whenever you, you know, check out new cities and stuff. And nothing wrong with grabbing a little souvenir action, you know. But uh, little, I was just a interested. Over, a little overpriced souvenir action. <laughs> well, I, I was almost waiting for you to just be like, because, you know, if you haven't seen Jake, you, you're, I feel like you're a pretty, like, in-shape guy, right? I feel like if you told me, like, dude. I, I don't know about that. But, yeah, thanks, man. I, I, I appreciate that. If you told me that, oh, this is my Little League jersey from when I was, like, 14 years old, I would have been like, yeah, I could, I could see that, you know? Right? Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> but, and, I mean, I always had that. Like, I remember I was, like, I don't remember when I was or 10 or 11. Yeah. We were like, our team was the Rockies. And I just like had this shirt yeah. and I would just, I would still wear it like for years later and like, Oh, are you big Rocky. No, I just as like a generic number uh, three from my, my T-ball team, just, like screen printed on the back. <laughs> it made, made all stars that year. Yes. Living the glory years of, of uh, baseball, man. Those were good times, but enough of that side chatter. Let's move into this thing, bro. Wide receivers. Um, where, as like I mentioned earlier, we did these rankings about a month ago, pre-draft. We didn't include any of the rookie prospects at the time, uh, but we're, we added, obviously, all these rookies now that we do landing spots to our 2020 run rankings. So when we're evaluating these guys having this discussion today, this is just from a redraft perspective. But obviously what we can expect from these guys in year one, if you're looking at them from a dynasty perspective as well. So I think the thing that we need to do right off the bat is obviously start at the top, and that is with Jamar Chase, enter Cincinnati, you know, as a Tyler Boyd apologist and owning him on, I don't know, roughly 93.7% of my dynasty squads, uh, that wasn't exactly the the pick that I wanted them to make, but I totally get it. He's uber talented. And I think there's probably still enough to go around, but let's just t- talk Jamar Chase and then even the dynasty hotness that was, or maybe still is T Higgins and what his value looks like in 2020, along with my boy, Tyler Boyd. So Jake, where do you have Jamar Chase and kind of what's your outlook here as a whole, I guess, as well for the Cincinnati wide receiver group? Uh, so I'm very bullish on Jamar Chase. I love this guy. There was a few, there's, you know, I was gonna say there's a few landing spots where he could have ended up where I would have been like, Oh, I don't like that. I'm not too into that. Uh, he's kind of impervious to, to, to the offenses for, for that perspective. But, um, real quick T Higgins, I had him as my wide receiver 23 prior to the draft and I'm probably not going to bump him down too much in my rankings. I know like the immediate reaction after the draft was that he's going to end up taking an enormous hit to his target share and he's going to end up finishing somewhere worse than he did last season. I think that was around like wide receiver 30-ish with only a half a season with Joe Burrow. But I think it's reasonable uh, that T. Higgins actually surpasses the 67 catches for 900 or so yards uh, that he saw in the 2020, even with Jamar Chase coming into the offense. Mm -hmm. We we know Jamar Jamar Chase is 1,000% the wide receiver one in this offense. I've seen people on Twitter pitching the idea that because T. Higgins is a sophomore, the second-year guy, that he still has wide receiver one status. That ended the second that uh, Joe Burrow's shower buddy ended up getting called up to the (laughs) on on draft night. Uh, but you know, but necessarily that this would mean this is now the defense's number one priority to cover. Maybe that opens things up for T Higgins. And then, you know, a thousand receiving yards and six touchdowns kind of seems like the floor for a guy like Higgins, especially with such a high volume passing offense. Like, uh, I think we expect in, uh, Cincinnati, but with all that said about Higgins, Jamar chase, man, coming in hot. I told you last week, he already says he plans to break every Cincinnati receiving record. I looked up a couple of the receiving records for Cincinnati rookies, most receptions by a Cincinnati rookie. And I don't know if you saw this anywhere, but a, a T Higgins tied it last season. If I'm not oh. mistaken, uh, 67 receptions tied Chris Collinsworth uh, for the, oh. for, yeah, 
for the receiving record. <laughs> I was trying like in my head, I'm like, I'm going through like, okay, maybe like Chad Johnson, TJ, who's your mama, uh, Chris Henry, RIP, dude. I love that guy. And like, I'm going through all these re- Bengals receivers and Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> I did the exact same process in my head. My head went right to Chad Ochocinco. I think he was banged up in his rookie season or something, but, um, uh, that was six, so that's where we're setting the benchmark at a 67 reception. Seems very attainable for Jamar Chase. Most receiving yards by a rookie wide receiver that was AJ Green with 1057. Seems super attainable for Jamar Chase. So I don't know if he was exactly talking about coming in and breaking just every receiving record they have. If he meant more niche, like he's going to come in and shatter these rookie receiving records, like I totally expect him to do, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, but like I said, these numbers seem super attainable for a guy who, you know, who, who caught 84 passes for 1800 yards and 20 touchdowns from Joe Burrow just two years ago, uh, as a sophomore wide receiver in the sec, just cannot say enough good stuff about him. Jamar chase is my wide receiver 22 right now, uh, in my rankings. So, uh, where, where does that compare to where you've got chase right now? Yeah. And then, uh, so real, where, where's Higgins now for you? I, I, he was 23 prior mm-hmm. to the draft. I, I'll move some stuff around still, but yeah. I mean, I'm not going to drop him. I mean, 20, 25, 26, yeah. maybe a couple pegs, but yeah. I'm really not reading too much into the Jamar Chase coming in and taking all the volume away from him type of thing. I just don't think that's how it's going to work in Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm with you there. So where I ended up with this, very similar to you, I had Higgins at 23 pre-draft as well, which is exactly where you'd had him. Um, and we and Jake and I do these rankings completely separate of each other. We don't. Even, we're not really talking back and forth too much other than right here on the podcast for you guys to kind of give you some insights on what we're thinking. So I, I had Higgins at 23, really high on him. You mentioned the high volume passing. Uh, Burrow was averaging 40 pass attempts per game before his injury. And that was with, um, you know, obviously wherever he got injured in that game. So maybe it would have been just maybe a one or two more, but the 650 pass attempts over a 16 game season is just crazy amounts of volume. No tight end to ever speak of on that offense as of right now. Mixon is not a huge pass catcher. He's not your Austin Eckler, CMC, anything like that, taking, you know, 130 targets, some, you know, anything crazy. So Mixon, Mixon can still get his and everything, but I think all of these wide receivers are set up for a good year. I'm with you on Jamar Chase, man. This guy is obviously a beast. Um, he's going to come right in, and an offense that's going to be playing from behind as well. That's why those pass attempts are going to continue to stay high no matter what. The offensive line is still a concern, but you just hope that they can get at least marginally better from last year. So I end up with Jamar Chase. I have him at number 20 among wide receivers. I really debated him. I originally had him at 22, and I put him ju- I put him above the Rams guys. I have Cup and Woods. I still can't decide who I like better. <laughs> um, and the reason for that was just I feel like I think Jamar Chase has serious, serious upside. And as much as I love Cup and Woods, and then I have Galladay right after that, like I think all of those guys are going to be solid wide receivers, and I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them were better than Jamar Chase. But if I had to pick one for the highest ceiling of them all, even in 2021, I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. I think he's, you know, we know, we saw that he was drafted so highly by the Bengals, despite them having other needs, which is well documented. Um, but the pass attempts there are just too juicy for me to to give that up, even with two quality wide receivers already alongside of him. Um, and transition to that with Higgins, I only moved, I ended up only moving him down one spot, and that was to get Jamar Chase up uh, uh, inside my top 24. So. Perfect. I think that Higgins, you know, he last year he was he balled out and he was pretty much more than likely the focal point of that offense on or the, for the defense on when they're looking at the outside. Tyler Boyd primarily playing more in the slot, you know, is going to garner some attention for sure. But when you look at T. Higgins, he had a phenomenal uh, rookie season. Really came on even in the second half, 
without Joe Burrow. So I think, you know, if anyone is down on T Higgins, you know, if, if we'll see how this ADP shakes out, I'm sure Jamar Chase will be going ahead of him. But if Chase is like, you know, two, three rounds ahead of T Higgins, which would be a lot, but if he's two rounds difference, I'm going to value wise. I'm just going to go T Higgins because that gives me a piece of that offense and an extremely talented wide receiver. Um, but I think they're pretty close. So Jamar for me, uh, Jamar Chase at 20 T Higgins at 24. And then where it really stung was my boy, Tyler Boyd, uh, who I had at wide receiver uh, 26. And when I did an update right before the draft and I had to drop him back down to kind of where I had him around, I have him at wide receiver 32. I think he's going to be a guy that's a little bit more valuable in full PPR. He's, a, I think he's a guy that you can count on it as a flex. Uh, if you go running back early or tight end early um, and he's your wide receiver three, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, but it's just, it does cap the upside just a bit. Um, you know, he's never, you don't really expect Tyler Boyd to be a 1300 and, you know, 10 guy, like he, he can get you 1100 yards. He can get you seven touchdowns. That's probably solid. And that would be, you know, a low end wide receiver too, probably. So that's the ceiling I think for Tyler Boyd this year. we we'll like him. Um, where, where are you at with Boyd? I guess, as we wrap up the Cincinnati situation. Yeah, and you know what? I, I didn't change my Boyd ranking. I have him right now at uh, wide receiver 38. I think mm-hmm. that sounds fair, but man, I don't know about that. The uh, the ceiling you laid out there. What was that? 1107. Cool. I mean, yeah, 1107. Yeah, man, I, I, everything would have to go right. I mean, when I say ceiling and everything would have to go right, I mean, T Higgins would have to miss half the season. Oh, and man. Chase would have to miss the other half of that season. For, I think for Tyler Boyd to hit those numbers. I don't want right. to say he's toast yet because I love the idea of him working that slot area that yeah. we know Joe Burrow operates so well in. Um, but it's it's just so, I don't know, man. Because, you know, if we look at the three-headed monster they have going on in Dallas, like how much did you want Michael Gallup on your team? Like I feel like it's going to be much of the same with, with Tyler Boyd. I feel like you're going to get a lot of those spotty games where, yeah, maybe he'll give you, you know, on a good day you get five receptions, 50 some yards maybe he scores that's fantastic but i feel like otherwise you put him in there and you get two catches for 12 yards and no score i mean that could happen six times thrown out in, you know in, in a 17 game season yeah i do think that the floor is definitely gone down you know when you look at Tyler boyd he's traditionally been a guy that i'm like hell yeah one wide receiver two every week you know he can get me 70 yards you know on seven catches or whatever and just feel really really good about his production uh, 1107, I think, is definitely doable with him in this offense because of two things the pass volume, but two, I mean, I haven't really even got there myself, but recalibrating to 16 games played rather than, uh, or sorry, with 17 games played versus 16 games played. So I think that extra game, you know, could put him over there where he's going to, I think they could, I think all three guys can go over a thousand yards in Cincinnati. I just think the upside is definitely with the other two. So it pains me to say that with, that my boy Boyd is no longer in the top 30, but I think that's uh, my, my rank is probably a little bit more aggressive than yours. I, I can I see think that with that extra game that if, if Tyler Boyd had like 400 yards in that last game, then- <laughs> Get the hell out of here. damn. All right. Well, I, I mean, yeah, well, so we'll, we'll see how that one plays out, but let's, let's, uh, let's keep moving through some of these uh, wide receivers here. Who is your number two rookie wide receiver for 2021? Where, when you put these rankings together, who ends up being the second guy that you're looking to target from this rookie class just for this year, upcoming season? You know, it's really close for me, but number wise, I've got Devonta Smith right now at wide receiver 30. Uh, 
Yeah, it's not super far off from where I have Jalen Waddle at wide receiver 34 right now. You're going to go through when when we go through these receivers, you're going to find that I put a lot of these guys somewhere in like the wide receiver 30 to wide receiver 45 range, kind of where like you're you're less comfortable with the receivers that are available at that point. You're ready to start taking some shots on some guys that might have some upside, perhaps like the guy that just won the Heisman Trophy uh, this season. Um but but Devontae Smith compared to Jalen Waddle, we kind of went through this whole process even leading up to the draft. Both, you know, and now we with the landing spots, it seems like both guys are gonna have some target competition. But I guess when I break it down, Devontae Smith competing uh for targets with mostly Jalen Rager. Meanwhile, in Miami, it's Waddle competing with Parker and Will Fuller and uh, Mike Kosicki will be involved. I mean, I'm mostly nitpicking between wide receiver 30 and wide receiver 34, but uh, you know, I'm a Jalen Hurts guy, man. So I, I think if I'm going to pick a, a wide receiver two uh, in this class, I, 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 let me check one more time here to make sure I don't have this out of order. It's the, yeah, man, it's Devonta Smith. Lock it in Devonta Smith, baby. Is Waddle your number one wide receiver in Miami for this year? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what? Waddle is my number one wide receiver in Miami this year, but I did make a note here. Um, I do think Waddle's going to end up being overdrafted this offseason. You know, he's the he's the new shiny toy they have in Miami. They're going to, you know, he's got a rapport already with Tua Tungavailoa, even though he prefers Mac Jones. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if we're so sure. Uh, that there's going to be such a difference at the end of the season. You know, when we look back in January, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much of a difference there's going to be between the end of season stat line between Jalen Waddle and uh, Devontae Parker. You know, what was it? Just two seasons ago, Devontae Parker was like the wide receiver two for the vast majority of the season, like weeks one through 10 or something. I'm pulling off the top of my head here. Uh, that's not to say I expect Devontae Parker to go out there and put up 1,200 yards again in no. whatever ballistic number he put up. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, you know, I think Jalen Waddle is going to get taken, you know, here. If you're watching us on YouTube, I'm putting my hand up high, and then, you know, De- <laughs> Devontae Parker is going to end up going. Five, six rounds later, because everyone's sick of him. He's come out. He's disappointed so many times. Mm-hmm. That one wide receiver, one season, no one even cares about it anymore. It's just everyone's all in on Jalen Waddle. So, not to say I'm out on Jalen Waddle or I'm in on Devonte Parker, but you're right. I don't think there's, or you know, I don't even know if that's what you were uh, inferring, but I don't think there's going to be that much of a difference at the end of the season. You know, obviously, Dynasty is a different story. I want mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle everywhere. There's no question about his athleticism, his dynamism. The dude's a freak. Uh, I think it was a solid pick by Miami. Maybe maybe a little bit of a reach, but I mean, where they were picking, they went out and they got their guy. Uh, But you know what? Maybe if 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 you believe in Miami and what they're doing in that offense, and you believe in Tua Tungavailoa, then maybe it would be more beneficial to pass on Jalen Waddle at whatever inflated ADP he ends up having this offseason, and let Devontae Parker slide you if if you have faith in Miami or Will Fuller, whichever way you swing. But uh, what, what do you think, Kyle? Where, uh, between Waddle and, and Parker, where do you land on those guys? Yeah, for the Miami situation, I do have Fuller at 34 in my rankings. Waddle coming in just a few spots underneath that at 37. And then I do have Parker ranked, uh, but he's pretty far down there. He's just outside the top 50 for me. Um, Ooh, that's, see, that's that's it right there. <laughs> that's that's what I mean. I feel like they're going to be closer than that. Why I, does he, I mean, separated by 20 guys? <laughs> I think that the main thing for me is just the upside. You know, I, I think that, you know, uh, Fuller obviously showed last year when he put together a partially health, well, a healthy season besides getting himself suspended. Um, you know, he, he definitely has that upside. We've seen it 
just now he's going to be paired with Tua Tungavailoa uh, versus uh, yes versus Deshaun Watson. I mean, come on now. So you can't put Fuller at that upside that he had in Houston. But I think when you know between him and Waddle, I think there's some there's just a higher ceiling than with Parker. You know, Parker is definitely going to be the more way more extreme, you know, cheap uh, oh, ad yeah. on draft day, like not even close. So. I do have uh, Fuller as my number one Miami wide receiver at 34. I have Waddle as my number two rookie wide receiver, just even though it is way more crowded. And maybe it's just because I'm discounting Parker a little bit more. So even though there's a lot of names, I feel like that his real competition is really just with Will Fuller. I And compared to Devonta Smith, who has much less competition for targets, but the quarterback situation for me, even with the unknown of Tua, I still would rather take the gamble on him in year two, helpful, healthy off season uh, coming into this and, and putting up much better numbers from a, just, just a NFL perspective, even Jalen hurts while as fun as he is for fantasy and a guy that we just talked about last week that we're still is now solidified. He is a top 12 wide receiver for both of us uh, on draft day. It all his pass catchers are just scared the living crap out of me. And we've seen this before with high upside rushing quarterbacks that they don't necessarily always carry with them even one really good option. Um, so I have Devonta Smith at 43. Um, I think that's, you know, he's behind guy. Like for me, I still really think this Dallas, just like Cincinnati, I think this Dallas offense is going to be just clicking like crazy. So after a while, I have Gallup, Michael Pittman, Debo Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Jerry Judy, and then uh, Devonta, Devonta Smith. So if you want to take a flyer there, I totally get going with more of the, uh, the unknown than, than what you, you know, what you've seen before and maybe isn't as sexy. I totally get it. Um, but man, Jalen Hurts just scares the crap out of me. And that's actually, uh, and I actually mixed that up because Devonte Smith is actually not my, even my wide receiver three amongst this rookie class. He's one spot below another rookie wide receiver. And I'll take you right into that. What's your thoughts on Elijah Moore in 2021? Oh man. Okay. So we're, we're going to flip the coin here because you had, um, whoever we were just talking about Devonte Smith buried lower than I thought you would. Mm-hmm. And I've got Elijah Moore down there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you wrote not ranked for who was it Devonte Parker. I wrote Elijah Moore wide receiver 50 plus. Oh, all right. Gotcha. So, right off the bat. I like, I like Elijah Moore. I liked him coming into this draft process. He was kind of, he seemed like the Twitter darling prospect. Yeah. He, you know, he kind of picked up steam in that direction as we got closer to the draft. And this, my low ranking isn't 100% because of, you know, who is delivering the ball, because I've let it be known on this show uh, more than once that I'm a little uneasy about Zach Wilson and, and what his future might bring. Um, but I, th- I, think, I think there's going to be a lot of Elijah Moore truthers out there. They're going to tell you, that he's walking into a situation where he's the unquestioned wide receiver one in this offense. And and that's just not true. Is it Kyle? I, I don't think he's un, the unquestioned wide receiver one. No, he no. is not the unquestioned wide receiver one. You're correct because Denzel Mims is Denzel Mims is hands down the forgotten man of the 2020 wide. Ah, right. I'm seeing tweets about Brian Edwards and people are saying, Oh, you remember that guy. And how about Denzel Mims, man? His rookie season completely derailed by an injury. Didn't play his first game until week seven. Uh, still looked solid on the field. Averaged a nice, um, just under 19 yards per reception from weeks eight through 13, which was kind of like his uh, healthy stint, I suppose. 
Uh, but Mims has one of those workout metrics charts, man, on Player Profiler. It just makes you wish he played anywhere else but with the freaking <laughs> New York Jets. 90 percentile across the board. The dude is an animal. 6'3", 207 pounds compared to Elijah Moore at 5'9", 178. Um, again, I, I, I still love Moore you know, oh, a thousand times more than Jamison Crowder at this point. Did they cut him yet? Not yet, but uh, but the, if you follow the money, it's that they can save a big chunk by cutting Crowder loose. Um, it may be one of those, I don't know, I'm not a cap expert, but uh, where they just have to wait post-June 1 or whatever yeah, the hell, maybe, you know. We'll, but, we'll, just, we'll just say the writing's on the wall for that yeah. one. Uh, and that's and I have him, and, and full disclosure here too, I have more ranked that way with the idea that Crowder is gone. Like, yeah. so that's a little assumption, but. All I'm saying is if I'm investing in Zach Wilson at all in this rookie season, it's not going to be with Zach Wilson on my team. I don't think it's going to be with Elijah Moore on my team. I don't hate, again, I don't, this isn't, I don't want this to come off as anti, I hate Elijah Moore, but it's pro Denzel Mims. I'm not, gotcha. even, I'm not even presenting the idea of a Denzel Mims breakout this season. I really don't think the Jets <laughs> offense is going to be anything great at all this year. Uh, but again, if I have to choose a piece of that Jets offense, I think I'm going to put my chips in on Denzel Mims, man. I still have him ranked somewhere in my uh, top you know, 40 to 50 wide receivers, so not a whole lot higher than Elijah Moore. But it's kind of the what I consider to be the best of a bad situation. Yeah, and I think and touching on that and touching on that uh, Jets passing game, you know, you definitely have the question mark with Zach Wilson. You know, that's. That's a discussion for probably a whole in, entire other podcast. But with Mims, I think you're dead on though. Like he's a guy that I had ranked, and uh, you know, and there's times where I'll kind of go and I'll just take a look. Like, wait, am I am I way off here, or whatever? And Mims is a guy that isn't even ranked for some people that I really do respect and take a look at. Um, you know, I took a look at their rankings, and it's early. Don't hold anyone to this stuff at the mo- in the moment. But Mims is a guy that if his value is that low on draft day, I don't mind taking a stab at it because I think you're right. He could be the wide receiver to own in New York. I don't have them that far apart. I have more in Mims, six spots different. So they're pretty close for me. Uh, now, obviously, Corey Davis was signed in the offseason, but I think the thing that sometimes people forget is just, which is great. I also, I do like this, that the NFL moved. It used to be free agency was after the draft. Now free agency is pre-draft. Um, but sometimes these teams are just signing these players because they don't necessarily know what they're going to be able to get. And they can kind of protect themselves a little bit by bringing in you know, players that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise picked if they knew they were going to get Elijah Moore at the very, very top of the second round. Um, so Corey Davis is there. So even if you consider Jim, uh, Jamison Crowder all but gone, there's, you know, there's some mouths to feed. So from a from an outsider perspective, I love the fact that the Jets are given Zach Wilson weapons. But I do think that with when you look at what Elijah Moore can do, I think he has a lot of upside just based off of his athletic profile as well and the targets that he's going to see the types of targets he's going to see. I think Denzel Mims, though, is somebody that I'm looking to buy up on the cheap in Dynasty right now because, like you said, a lot of people aren't talking about him. And it might not be this year. It might be next year once Wilson gets a little bit more comfortable or the second half of this year once they feel more comfortable taking shots with Mims. But I think for now, more out of the four rookie rookie wide receivers we've talked about so far, I feel pretty confident in the targets he's going to get. I feel that he his path to playing time is, is right there. And I think that if Elijah Moore was pick one – 0.32 instead of the 202 that we'd be talking about him a lot more than we are but because he's a second round day two wide receiver we he's discounted you know so i i get that waddle and smith were top 10 picks but i think that if Moore was a first rounder himself he would carry more weight right now uh in the industry and people's rankings so i'll just throw that out there i'm not taking any big stance here by ranking him 42nd among wide receivers but i do think he's a guy that i if i if they're all sitting on the board 
I want mine taking a stab on him just to see if he's the rookie wide receiver that hits because chances are multiple of these guys are probably going to be in the top 20. You know, that's just what that's kind of what we've seen over the course of the last few years. Towns coming in and producing right away. No, so that's worth that slot role with the Jets. I mean, Jamison Crowder did dominate that, and it's a whole new regime, and it's a different yeah. quarterback. And I mean, I'm I'm just saying, like there's there's opportunity there, especially in like you said in PPR leagues, uh, where Elijah Moore he could be fantasy relevant this season. Well, I think too when you look at I mentioned it with the Cincinnati uh, pass catchers, they don't have a tight end, right? So there's not somebody else kind of sniping off you know 70, 80 targets at that position, or a running back that's extremely involved in the passing game. Uh, the same thing with New York. They don't have anybody at those other positions either that's going to be taking a ton of targets. So I think there should be plenty to go around for those guys. It's just the difference is I don't expect uh, Zach Wilson to be dropping back and throwing 670 passes that are also quality, right? It's going to take him time. He's going to be kept in check a little bit. That's a team that's going to hopefully try to rely on their defense based off of the coaching staff that they have brought in and the running game, even though they still didn't prioritize that position in free agency or in the NFL draft. But I think Moore is a guy that they can manufacture, you know, touches for, and uh, it's going to be interesting. So for right now, I have him as my wide rookie wide receiver three of, you know, heading into redraft at 42 overall is uh, so from the sounds of it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like Moore is your rookie wide receiver four because you're going uh, with Chase Smith and then Waddle. So how does the rest of this rookie class shape up for you uh, in your 2021 rankings so far? So bear with me here. I, I I didn't set up my rankings like a normal person would, like in mm. numerical order. Instead, I did it by the order in which they were drafted and put my ranking next to them. But as I'm oh. through here, it looks like the next guy up on my list at wide receiver 37 is going to be Rashad Bateman. And uh, going into the draft, he was kind of in that upper echelon tier of wide receivers for me. I really like this guy. Uh, at that wide receiver 37 spot, I, the, you know, the big question I kind of had to ask myself was like, you know, do I prefer Rod, Rashad Bateman or you know, I have Jalen Rager in that in that section? And for me, I think it's Rashad Bateman. Uh, it seems like fantasy gamers are pretty much divided up into like two different camps on this one. Either you totally hate the landing spot. You wouldn't dare to ever have your fantasy roster tainted with the likes of a Baltimore wide receiver or you're seeing Rashad Bateman for what he really is. He is the wide receiver one on an NFL offense, a good NFL offense, despite how much they run the ball. Uh, you know, I'm not falling for this one, man. I'm not falling for this one like A.J. Brown in 2019. Uh, and say what you will about Ryan Tannehill's arm versus Lamar Jackson's arm. But, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I don't think Lamar Jackson's the worst passer in the league. I think Drew Locke's the worst passer in the league. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe we should wait to criticize Lamar is all I'm saying until we see him, uh, you know, until we see him throwing the ball to some legit weapons mm-hmm. outside of the tight end position. Uh, Cause you know, coming into the league at five, nine, 166 pounds for uh Hollywood Brown, you better be putting up Devonte Smith type numbers in college for me to take you seriously as a wide receiver one in the league at, uh, at that height and weight, which, you know, of course he did not. But Rashad Bateman, man, he's the real deal. This Ravens offense, I think they're about to be real scary, scarier than they were now that they have the uh, the threat of throwing the ball more effectively in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Bateman? Yeah, and just like I mentioned with Corey Davis and the Jets signing him, I think that's a legitimate signing and one that they're looking to utilize coming off a really good year, and he plays a role. Uh, you look at Sammy Watkins, right? That is a body that they added to that offense because they missed out on some of the other free agent signings that maybe they were targeting. Uh, and they knew that maybe they weren't going to get their guy, you know, uh, 
uh, in the draft and, and maybe acquiring that second first rounder, you know, made them feel a little bit better about taking Bateman around one. But regardless, I'm not worried about Sammy Watkins. He is a camp body more than likely. I wouldn't be surprised if he's just cut loose. Um, then again, this is the same team that kept, I know he's my boy, but they kept the carcass of Des Bryant running around out there for the last six weeks of the season or whatever. So, um, you know, you're right. I think that's something that has not been said enough is, do we know how good Lamar can be? I We know that he's not going to be Russell Wilson throwing the ball, right? He's not going to be a dual threat that can, that can produce that well through the air. But he has put up big touchdown numbers in the past. We saw it a couple years ago. He has produced with Mark Andrews, you know, from a fantasy perspective. But they haven't really given him any other weapons. Willie Sneed, sorry, bro. You ain't a weapon. And Hollywood Brown, who has is a one-trick pony, as much as we hope that he wasn't going to be that, he has proven to be that. And, you know, no, no one is is extremely accurate downfield. So when you look at some of the the passes that Lamar was throwing up there, yeah, they looked really nice until the camera caught where those receivers were, and then you know they were nowhere to be found. But when I think when you look at Bateman, he's a guy that uh, you know while he has that you know that my ball mentality, you know, there's a draft day you know bingo word for you is that he has he did play a lot in the slot. You know, while at Minnesota, he's a guy that can be those in that play in that easy target area, and it's great after the catch. So I do think this is the best target that they've given Lamar during his time in Baltimore. That being said, you know, he's just a guy that for me, he is the next rookie wide receiver for me, but he's behind a couple of sophomore guys. Denzel Mims. I have a little bit above Bateman. Uh, the one that I've kicked it, that I kicked back and forth. I have him back to back right now is uh, LaVisca Chenault. I think that having Trevor Lawrence there, I'm, he interests me a lot. You know, that's a guy though, that I think is, both Bateman and Chenault for different reasons could just be, you know, Hey, you're gonna have to produce on, you know, seven targets a game, right. You know, type of thing. So, um, or seven touches, I guess, cause Chenault might get some other, but regardless. So I think Bateman's a guy that I don't mind taking a stab at. If you're in a normal, you know, 15, 16 round draft, uh, for redraft league 2021, if he's sitting around there, don't mind taking a stab on him. And in all honesty too, if you pay, you know, if you're, if you're a redraft player, you know, you might play, I know, I mean, a lot of keeper leagues where, Hey, you, you can keep a guy with the next year at the value that you drafted him the year before or plus one or plus two rounds, whatever the penalty is, you know, that's in those types of leagues. I'm, I go into those drafts and I've highlighted, you know, all the young talent that maybe hasn't broken out yet to try to target in those later rounds. Bateman's going to be that guy for me more than likely, because he's going to come way, way, way cheaper than Waddle and Smith. And maybe he has just as much upside, you know, uh, you know, heading into 2022, who knows? So, um, I'm with you there. I, I think he's gonna he's the most polarizing player for me out of this rookie wide receiver class um, because we know Chase is gonna be a monster, right? But Bateman is the one where I'm like, man, if he landed anywhere else, he'd be way further up this board. So we will see if the stigma of Baltimore <laughs> holds keeps us from landing a gem. But uh, where uh, who else did you end up rank? I didn't rank all the rookie wide receivers. I only had two more even in my top sixty. Um, any other rookies you want to touch on here? And then we'll, we'll jump on to a couple vet situations that I want to just get your thoughts on. Yeah. Another one that I like a lot, one more spot below Bateman. I just, I couldn't find the strength in me to push him above Rashad Bateman. Uh, but Rondale Moore, man, uh, you know, he was worth, I did knock Jalen Rager down one more notch. That's kind of where more settled in for me at wide receiver 38. But Rondale Moore is one of those guys who's he's just a freak athlete, dude. Most people just they don't know it because he checks in at five, seven, 180 pounds. Uh, but in Rondale Moore's freshman year at Purdue, he caught 144 balls for just under 1300 yards and 12 touchdowns. 
That is 300 less yards. That's 300 yards away from Kadarius Tony's four-year college career total <laughs> at Florida. Career total. Rondale Moore did that in his freshman year. Now, as far as a fantasy football impact, you know, this doesn't it doesn't affect my DeAndre Hopkins ranking whatsoever. <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs> Hopkins is my wide receiver three before the draft. He's my wide receiver three after the draft. Uh, as far as Christian Kirk, that ship, ladies and gentlemen, has sailed. That, tra- that train has left the station. I think that his value, in, in my eyes, is completely eviscerated. I mean, if you can find a buyer in Dynasty, by all means, go hit that person up. But I don't know that person. I haven't seen that person. Uh, and even especially with the addition of AJ Green, you know, he might only be around for another year. Maybe he's got two left in him. But you know, this is a guy that the entire fantasy community has just decided he's dead, you know. But who knows? Maybe he does just have a little more magic left in the tank. All I'm saying is look out for this Arizona passing attack, man, in 2021. Kyler Murray, he remains cemented in as my QB2 this season, and I, I just feel 10 times better with that, uh, with a playmaker like Rondale Moore joining the offense. What do you think about Rondale? Yeah, he he was, he was came in inside my top 60, so he was one of the last rookie wide receivers that I ranked. He actually was the last rookie wide receiver that I ranked. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you're buying into an offense that is high-powered, uh, a lot of production out there. Uh, a team that runs a lot of, you know, four wide receiver sets. Even now, that hasn't obviously always uh, turned into fancy production. When you look at some of the disappointing things that we've seen, you also could point to the track record of this Arizona uh, front office and coaching staff failing to hit on early round talent in the NFL draft. Andy Isabella, uh, damn it, Hakeem Butler, who's not even a wide receiver anymore in this league. Um, those were guys I was buying into for these same similar type of of. Uh, you know, of thoughts, right. That they're going to be tied to Kyler Murray in an offense that should be chucking it. But with Rondell Moore, I think what you're pointing to is he just, he brings something a little bit different. He's extremely athletic. You mentioned those numbers are obviously huge, you know, with that breakout age that everybody loves on Twitter and everything. It's big 10 football, man. It's not like he's doing this out at South there, you know, Dakota state of the United or whatever. Like this is a guy that went out and balled at Purdue and the injuries, you know, are a concern, but for redraft, who cares? You know, like you, you picking this guy up super, super late and just seeing if he hits. So, um, you know, I don't like compared to, you know, I have Bateman, I have Terrence Marshall and Rondell Moore are my last three rookie wide receivers ranked. They're all just outside of the top 50, but they make my top 60 and they're all kind of guys like, hey, I'll just take a flyer here. I, you know, Bateman would definitely be a little bit more exciting to me just because I think he can bring a little bit more, but. Rondell Moore is definitely somebody that uh, you can look in some, you know, a few deeper leagues. If you go, you know, 18, 20 rounds, for sure, he's a guy that, you know, I'd take a shot on from this rookie class and see how it pans out. So, but uh, yeah, he made it. And so I mentioned Terrence Marshall came in right one spot above. Uh, Did he make your, your rankings, initial rankings? Yeah, I put him in at wide receiver 46 or so. Um, You know, naturally, I would have loved to see him go somewhere or to an offense where there weren't already three pre-established pass catchers, if you count Christian McCaffrey. But at the same time, I love the fact that he's reunited with Joe Brady and they have that LSU connection and whatever chemistry, for whatever is that worth, you know, he knows him before he even walks into the building. So, uh, yeah, I like that. I like Terrace Marshall. I love him for Dynasty. Um, Unless you had something else you wanted to expand on with Terrace Marshall, there is one other guy that I think could be relevant for seasonal this year for wide receivers. Go for it. Dude, what do you think about Amon Ross St. Brown? <laughs> Dude, this is a guy that I'm sure is going to, I just feel like, I feel like when you look at ADP 
when we're sitting here in mid August, I bet you he's a guy that's going to be going ahead of Marshall ahead of Moore. I bet that he'd be ahead of Bateman. I bet he'd be ahead of Elijah Moore even just because he right. is the only body like there. Right. And, but I just, you know, the fact he's a fourth round pick, I'm going to, I'm going to say that the NFL knows at least enough that all those teams passed on him until the fourth round and the lions needed somebody so desperately, you know, they, they obviously weren't going to wait too much longer to address that position. So I get it, you know, but, uh, I look yeah. at every team passed on Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yes. Yes. Brown, baby. Antonio Brown. Yes. And Tom Brady too. I, it just, he's not a guy that overly excites me right now. I just think that, um, you know, the opportunity and, you know, targets touches that let can me, equal fancy production. You, let me but. ask you this. You think he's the widest? Like, does he lead the team in targets? I mean, I hope not. I hope that it's a man named TJ Hawkinson that does that. <laughs> but, you know, it, like I said, it, that's just a tough part for me to get over when you have other guys. Like when I was ranking Bateman and Marshall and more, those are second, you know, first, second round guys, even Elijah Moore is a second round guy as well. You know, those, those are just players that I just feel more confident in their talent. Um, but when you rank as far as opportunity, he probably has the most opportunity of all you could argue any player that we've talked about from this rookie class. Not he's not Jamar Chase. We're not going to put him up there, but like would you know it's a possibility that the targets could be similar because there is literally no one else. Bashard Perriman, Tyrell Williams, they made no effort to add any viable weapons around Jared Goff, on top of the fact that they had no carryover players uh either. So it's yeah, the opportunity to be there. As far as seasonal goes, like, would you be shocked if at the end of the year the best wide receiver was Jamar Chase, the best rookie wide receiver, and then number two was Amon Ross St. Brown? I think it's totally like not only possible, but I hate to use the word likely. But no, I don't think it's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it as likely because you're betting on a guy versus the field, and I feel like that at least one yeah. of those other guys can do it. But you know, as far as you know, could he be a top? You know, a top three or four rookie wide receiver, I, I think that's plausible just because of the fact that he should get looks right away. So he's a guy that you really need to pay attention to because some of these other guys where it's like, if it takes, if it takes Terrence Marshall a little while to get going, or if it takes Jalen Waddle a little while to, you know, to see the targets that you expect from a, your wide receiver three, right? Like when those guys are firing, I think they're going to be, have, give you better weeks. Right. But same Brown could be consistent through the whole year of somebody that in deeper leagues, like, yeah, he can be your a flex for you week in and week out because he's gonna get you, you know, seven, eight targets right out of the gate, you know, on a team that's going to be chasing points. Like that's why I wanted somebody to land there purely from the standpoint of like, man, that team is gonna suck. And they, you know, and I hope TJ Hawkinson balls out and that's gonna be great for him. Uh, I will talk about tight ends in a minute. Like he's a guy that he's in his own tier now for me because I do think that this is an offense just starved for talent. So from that standpoint, I, I totally get it. It's just that name is just it's just creeping up everybody's boards right now because, yeah, he's the only show in town, according to a lot of people, because there's a bunch of retreads around him. A bunch of what around him? Retreads. Retreads. Whoa, yeah. I thought you said a different word right there. All right. Oh, no, 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 no. So, wow. No, 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 sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't like Rashard Perriman that much, but, I mean, I'll give the guy his due. I mean, he played in the NFL before. I'll give him his due. <laughs> Oh man, trying to get me in trouble. Memphis is gonna fire my yeah, ass. You're, you're gonna get canceled on this show. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that. I mean, I you know, I've done pretty well ignoring Twitter lately, so I don't want to have to deal with that. 
Oh, all right. Well, uh, I, I want to touch on just a few quick, just I guess we can kind of get your quick thoughts on this. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, I know you're a big Kenny Galladay fan. They spent around one pick on Kadarius Tony. Did he move? Did Galladay move for you at all? No. Uh, you know, Kenny Galladay, or not Kenny Galladay, I was going to say Kadarius Tony. I, th- I felt like it was a bad pick for the Giants to make, to take Kadarius Tony as the fourth receiver off the board. Mm. Uh, but on the flip side, it was like a great landing spot for Tony. Like, I, I mean, as far as places he could have landed for his fantasy value, that seemed like fantastic. I didn't move Kenny Galladay at all. But uh, aside from Kenny G, who we know is going to assume that wide receiver one role in the offense. I mean, what else they got? Sterling Shepard, Dar- the Darius Slayton project. Mm-hmm. There's opportunity for a guy like Kadarius Tony to walk right in, and he can be one of those guys who makes an impact on day one. A guy who I was kind of out on in the pre-draft process. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of college production to show for. Like I said, Elijah Moore kind of uh, did his entire career in his freshman season. Uh, but I think kind of what you get out of Kadarius Tony, like I, I, I think I have him. I wrote wide receiver forty-five ish. Uh, Jerry Judy finishes wide receiver 44 last season and didn't put up awful numbers, 52 catches, 900 yards, three touchdowns. I think that's more or less what you get from Kadarius Tony this year. Um, or on the flip side, maybe the New York giants got this one, right? And, and uh, Kadarius Tony's the next Tyreek Hill. I hope not as a Cowboys fan, but yeah, I moved, I didn't, I only moved Golly down a bit, not because of the Tony selection, but just because there were a few other guys that I liked what happened to them. Um, you know, one of those guys for me was Michael Thomas, who I had ranked 16th before. I was pretty much planning on moving him down if they added a viable target. Uh, I know Terrence Marshall almost got there. There were some guys that we liked that was hoping it was going to land in New Orleans. And then they no one did, like literally no one. So you still have the for me, I'm still kind of on the fence between on Michael Thomas because of the uh, Winston and Taysom Hill scenario. But if. If that's it, you know, if if Winston gets the nod, then I think Michael Thomas is still going to be right there and a guy that's, I think, going to be great value on draft day based off people de- being down on him. So um, that was just another guy that I had made a note here about his situation. Um, did you, we mentioned Terrace Marshall kind of in passing real quick, but did you move DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson down? Like, are you not as high on that? I mean, and you mentioned that obviously they have CMC. So, that, situ- that situation was actually one that we highlighted a couple days before the draft that we did not want them taking a wide receiver high. And then sure enough, they did um, take a guy in round two and a guy that I really was looking forward to um, with Terrence Marshall and he lands in Carolina, which dynasty prospects much different than 2021. But did, did those guys move it all for you? So uh, Terrace Marshall did not affect my DJ Moore ranking at all. I still have him sitting comfortably at wide receiver 16. As for Robbie Anderson, I feel like this has to bump him down at least a little. And maybe that's because of how optimistic I am about Terrace Marshall. I mean, what he was doing last season before he decided to opt out for the rest of the year, 48 catches, 730 yards, 10 touchdowns in just seven games. That averages out to about seven catches for 104 yards and like just under a touchdown and a half per game. Um I feel like that's, I mean, out of necessity, if I'm going to keep DJ Moore the same, then Robbie Anderson's got to drop at least a smidge. I think I had, I had him as my wide receiver 37 before the draft. That's, I mean, that'll put him outside the top 40 for me for sure. Somewhere in that range of uh, rookie wide receivers and Robbie Anderson. But yeah. uh, you know, I don't think there's a big coming out party or anything for Terrace Marshall in 2021, but I, I, I still want this guy on every single one of my dynasty rosters. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you there. I did bump more down a bit, but I was a little bit higher, I think, than you. I actually have at 16 as well, weirdly enough. Um, but I put like uh I put Mike Evans and Terry McLaurin above 
uh, above DJ Moore. So I didn't move him down a whole bunch. And I did the same thing too with Rob, with Robbie Anderson. He was a guy that I was high on, um, you know, compared to what I was seeing in the consensus uh, and bumped him down just around 40th, 41st in my ranking. So just a, you know, a situation that's, Hey, it's good for Sam Darnold. You know, I think you got some good weapons there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and there's never going to be a situation of, unless your name's uh, St. Brown, apparently. But, you know, there's always going to be competition for targets. I get that. So you can't just, you know, just because a guy comes in, you shouldn't just completely bury some of the, you know, the the incumbents. But, yeah, on, on some of these positions, it's like, man, I think it would have been really, really, really high upside, you know, as far as target potential, but maybe just gets kind of tippered just a bit. Um, and, yeah, the, the only other guys that I want to mention – uh, I, I call, I put the, I put these guys together, both in my top 60, 58, 59. I just put the survivors. I put Josh Reynolds and Darnell Mooney together because I just, those are two guys that I was like, man, those are going to be turned to dust come draft day. Like these teams should address the position. Right. And they didn't, they didn't do Jack, uh, as far as adding to pass catchers in Chicago or, uh, Tennessee. So I still have Josh Reynolds and Darnell Mooney. And I think Mooney's going to go way higher because it seems like everybody loves him. Um, but uh, those are some guys that I think like they serve. I think they survived this draft process and they could be some early season production, you know, uh, flexes for you guys. So that's just what I threw on there. But yeah, uh, I don't know how excited I am about uh, about Darnell Mooney. Who was the other the first name? Josh you said? Reynolds. Say again. Josh Reynolds, Josh, dude, Josh. Now, Josh Reynolds, I'm excited about. And you put me on to Josh Reynolds a couple of months ago is like, oh, you know, this is kind of an under the radar acquisition that just happened here. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked him when he was with the Rams. It was just he was never getting any opportunity. But when he when he was a good opportunity, he flashed here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if he's going to be in Tennessee, can you name the next wide receiver on the depth chart? Uh, that, no, that, no, they no. they drafted some guy named Daz or something. Nope, nope, that's beyond my pay grade, my friend. But uh, I mean, just out of necessity, I'm telling you. Yeah, it, it's gonna be. And with Reynolds, eh, he's a guy that I've always been watching because you mentioned like he was just kind of always buried there, like from when Sammy they acquired Sammy Watkins and then Brandon Cooks and then you know Robert Woods, and it's just been you know obviously Cooper yeah. Cup's been there for a while, so. And then they moved kind of away from the three wide receiver looks to the two tight end looks. And it, it's just been uh, kind of a weird start to his NFL career. But I think he's going to get an opportunity here with, you know, even though it's a run first offense, they really only have A.J. Brown, the end there I mean, in Corey, Tennessee. Corey Davis, didn't he see 100 targets last yeah. year? Something close to that. I mean, yeah. that, I mean that's Josh Reynolds, baby. And, and you got, and you got, uh, and you can say what you want about Anthony Ferkshire, I guess, but I'm not really buying into him taking everything that John who was doing and John who had a ton of touchdowns. So yeah. like if he can get that 800, 850 yards, you know, from Corey Davis and gets six, seven touchdowns, you know, with, from, you know, combined, cause I think Davis had five or six touchdowns. Like, you know, I think he could put up a decent enough season to definitely be draftable. And, you know, so again, a survivor from the NFL draft, as far as these incoming rookies, we uh, we're closing up here. we got 55 minutes into this show. We said, we're going to talk about tight ends. I, we will. Um, but it's pretty much one rookie tight end in four minutes and 30 seconds. We'll get to the tight ends. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you the floor here because he's he's your, uh, NFL favorite teams, tight end. Now valuable one Oh four in the draft. Uh, the 1.04 Kyle Pitts. What's your thoughts on his 2021 outlook? Because Jake, I don't know if you know this, but tight ends, they, they take a little while. To develop. Oh, yeah. So, so, so I'm told. I don't know if that's going to be the case for this guy, though, man. Uh, 
I, I'm going to say for this year, right now, he's my tight end six. Um, Bam. Yeah. After we've been on, you know, after, you know, we've been on this Kyle Pitts hype train for what seems like a year now. We've been seeing this dude ball out. And I mean, tight end six, even with what he's done, st- still seems like an unprecedented ra- ranking for a rookie tight end just because of what you just said with the, uh, what they say about tight ends. Oh, you know, it takes three years until they finally, we're still waiting on TJ freaking Hawkinson <laughs> to reach his crime. Uh, yeah. Hey man, we've seen what Matt Ryan can do for the tight end position. All those years with Tony Gonzalez, Austin Hooper was tight end one in 2019 from weeks one through 10 before he got injured. Uh, and, and in case you didn't know this and I hope he isn't listening, but Austin Hooper isn't even anything that special. You wait until we get Kyle Pitts in there, man. What I'm uh, so I'm taking I'm taking Travis Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, the aforementioned T.J. Hawkinson, and then after that, I'm ready to roll the dice on the league's next greatest tight end right there at Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, I thought about it for a second uh, before Pitts. It went uh, Hawkinson and then Goddard, and I still like Goddard a lot this year because I like Hurts a lot this year. Um, but man, Kyle, Kyle Pitts, if he busts, dude, <laughs> is he seems so bust proof at this point. The fact that everyone had him locked in is he was going to be the number four guy. He's the undisputed tight end one. He's, you know, I mean, it, the hype is just so out of control with this guy. I just really hope he delivers, uh, is uh, tight end six. You did a little fist bump when I said that that's kind of where you got him. I have him exactly at tight end six and uh, you know, the landing spots, obviously awesome. You know, I, I think there's a high powered offense, the talents unquestioned, right? I think I agree with you. Uh, I do. I agree with you that uh, uh, from a talent standpoint, it shouldn't take him as long to get rolling and the opportunity should be there right out of the gate. Uh, I think it's a lot of smoke. I don't think that Julio is going anywhere. If Julio got dealt, then Kyle Pitts would be completely unaffordable. Yeah. I still think with with his current situation that Pitts is going to be drafted just too early for for my liking. Um, but if I'm ranking them, like I have him at six, I think he's you know definitely worth the the shot there. If you want to take that, um, you know, shoot for the stars. I, I definitely don't mind Kyle Pitts. I think he's just on a different level as far as talent goes. The rest of these these tight ends. So that's what sucks though, Kyle is we, I feel like we have them like in my heart. I know that ranking him as tight end sick is high. Like it seems high, but when we're drafting this summer and whatever home leagues we're in or whatever live drafts we're in, someone's going to take Kyle Pitts as tight end three. Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely, I could definitely see that because the rookie hype is even in redraft leagues, even is just unreal. So it just, it just stinks. Cause I'll probably, this is like, this is a guy I'll probably never be able to own on a, on any fantasy squad ever, <laughs> you know, like it just, he's gonna, uh, that's what the expectation is. And I hope he's that good that I've never be able to afford him. Uh, but uh, yeah, tight end six for me, tight end six for Jake. And I think he's a guy that as we see the ADP flush out, you know, if he ends up in round eight, give me that, you know, why not? You know, we'll take a stab at that because I, I do have him in a tier that, you know, uh, I have a, I put him in a tier with Mark Andrews that if those guys are there earlier than the double digit rounds, I'll take a shot on those guys. Right. And I feel like I, I can re- get the you know return on that investment beyond that, though. You know, that's where the, the tier break is. And I don't want to like I will just wait and take the last guy. Um, but uh, that's where I ended up. So pretty good there. Any did any of the other tight ends move for you in any way? I mean, I guess the one that I'm really most interested in is Evan Ingram, because you and I, I think, differed on him quite a bit and then they added another body to this offense so did he move for you at all no i mean when, <laughs> now you know we're getting to the point where we're talking the tight ends i, I can't i can't possibly have evan Ingram rank rank that high right 
I, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying wherever he is in my rankings, this is at the point where we're we're just nitpicking. So just the acquisition of another body in there. No, I didn't move wherever I have Evan Ingram because I'm sure it's not high enough where I could really plant my flag in there. Don't tell me I have him in there as tight end four or something. I, I don't I don't know where you, I don't know where you got. It. I know that you don't, I, don't I, look I had, at it until I get a chance to change it. I had uh, I had him outside my top 12 before the draft and this sure didn't do anything for me to move him up in there. So um, overall, he was the one guy that I really st- was looking at. I was like, dang, man, like that just things that they added somebody else yeah. um, to this offense. A guy that, you know, is going to be that short area target type player. Robert Tanyan was a guy that I was a little bit lower on. They, the Green Bay Packers still refused to do anything. They drafted a third round wide receiver in Rodgers. That's great, but I don't think that there's any real threat to Tanyan's role from last year. If anyone drafts him based off of last year's numbers, that's a joke. But yeah. he's why he's tight end eleven for me. I think that's fine. He's if you're you know if you're past the point of the for me like Fant Goddard, Irv Smith, who I kind of like, you and then Logan Thomas is the kind of the PPR tight end uh, darling, right? After that, it's you're literally like tight touchdown or bust at tight end. And Robert Tanyan is my that first tight end for me in that tier because he's paired with Aaron Rodgers. So um, other than that, though, man, uh, the only other guy because I just and apparently I just love the tight end position is Adam Troutman for the same reasons I was kind of talking about earlier with Michael Thomas. Troutman is a guy that saw limited action last year. Jared Cook is gone. Um, the quarterback situation still scares the living crap out of me. And at best, whether you know whether it's Troutman or the second wide receiver there, they will always be at best the third option because Alvin Kamara um, is clearly an, an elite option for them in the passing game. But if Troutman is the third option and it is Jameis Winston, and we've seen Jameis Winston really love tight ends over the course of his career um, narrative. Uh, then I think Troutman is a guy that, you know, I have him ranked right now, right there with the New England wide receiver or tight ends who I kind of buried too. But he's an interesting guy. Again, if it's the last guy out there and it's the very end of my draft, Adam Troutman is a guy that's moved up the board for me over the last couple of weeks. So I've, I have one more guy that I want to bring Let's up. Let's do it. Here. Uh, and, and you know what? It's a rookie tight end, too. No! Yeah. We said Kyle Pitts. That was it. We're no, out of no, here. No, I'm going a little bit out of the realm here. And I'm not even going to go I'm not even gonna go with Pat Fryermuth here because I like that guy, too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go a little deeper here on a guy that I'm snagging on a couple of Dynasty rosters. But Brevin Jordan is a guy that I think could be sneaky good. Fifth-round pick by the Houston Texans. Uh, six foot three with a 99th percentile breakout age, seven touchdowns in eight games with Miami last season. Uh, and now he finds himself in a Houston offense where there's really not a tight end of consequence on the roster. Uh, I mean, it's an offense that's lacking weapons in the receiving game in general. So if Brevin Jordan gets his shot in an offense, we hope led by Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. I think there's real potential there to be, you know, fantasy relevant as soon as this season. But nice name to keep an eye on, especially in tight end premium leagues. I like me some Brevin Jordan. There you go. And I was uh, somebody that our, our buddy Matt Hicks, who we had on the show pre-draft, he liked him. The fifth round draft capital kind of spurred the hype a little bit on Jordan, but that makes him now affordable for you guys out there. So just one more name to note. All right. Uh, with that, Jake, I think that's it, bro. It was fun to, hanging out with you, talking to these wide receivers and Kyle Pitts. Yep, and and when you look at that, Jerry's still on the clock. I know. That's what I was going to say. You still haven't made this pick because nothing's going on here. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Come on, Jerry. Let's get it together, bro. I'm sure he'll be on the war zone tomorrow complaining about people not drafting fast enough in his rookie leagues. Uh, But with that, uh, you can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. You can follow myself on Twitter at KyleMonth8. Rate and review the show if you like what you hear. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and check out the YouTube as well. We're going to be back here, same place, on, uh, on Monday. So we'll catch you guys then. You guys take it easy. Stay safe.